Welcome to Focus and Flourish, a food photography business talk podcast for food photographers who are wanting to understand and expand their knowledge on essential business practices that will allow you to create thriving ventures. I'm Marta, I'm your co-host and I'm a food photographer and content creator along with Linda. And I'm Linda, I'm a food photographer and food photography coach. Welcome to today's episode. Today we are talking all about pitching, how to pitch to clients. And I think this is going to be a brilliant topic for you today because pitching is something that we all struggle with. (laughs) We all dislike this part of the business, but it's also an essential part of business. It's how we earn money, how we work with new people, build new relationships, and it's just a really, really important aspect of the business to get right and to experiment with. Marta, what has been your experience with pitching and what do you think is one of your most successful approaches when it comes to pitching? I love how you framed that question and I really, really relate so well with what you said in terms of pitching, how much it's a dreaded aspect of our business. And to be honest, it's the most difficult aspect of the business. In terms of the most successful approach, I truly think that for me so far, the most successful approach and what's brought me the biggest return on my investment is engaging myself in creative projects that are going to be lined up with what I want to do and with the kinds of clients that I want to work with. And so yes, I do active pitching such as cold pitching and I continue to send my offers to clients. I do it regularly, sometimes more, sometimes less frequently, but essentially it's something that I do and I am aware of that I need to be doing. But at the same time, I feel like doing creative projects that are lined up with my values and that are in line with the kinds of clients that I would love to work with are the ones that have brought me my biggest success and have proven to be the best type of pitching and that's how I found my regular clients that's how I found my one-off dream clients that I never even imagined I can be working with And that's why I think it's so important to understand what we were discussing in our previous episodes, what is it that you really enjoy, and engaging yourself in these types of creative activities. How about you, Linda? Yes, I would definitely say the same thing, actually. Um, I have done cold pitching and I still do cold pitching now, and it does have its successes occasionally. I think it has its success when I am pitching to people who are very aligned with my values. So my personal values that I try to bring into my business are things around sustainability and kind of eco-conscious living. And so when I reach out to people and make it very clear that I align with their values and their business ethos in that sense, it tends to have a good response rate. I wouldn't say that it always results in paid work, but it means I get responses and I start conversations. So when it comes to cold pitching, that's probably the most successful approach. But when it comes to really getting paid clients regularly, I definitely think that the way that I market myself and the images that I'm creating for myself and my portfolio are are the biggest kind of impact maker in my business. So whenever I start creating images that are really aimed at the kind of clients I want to work for and putting those out there, not just in my portfolio, but on social media. So that's for me on Instagram and LinkedIn. And the more I'm publishing that kind of content, I feel like it really attracts the right clients to me. And now I'm in a really great position that a lot of restaurant clients, for example, are reaching out to me for work. And as you said in a previous episode as well, it's really annoying when people say that that's how they get business (laughs) by inbound inquiries. But it is true that it can happen and it does happen. And I think it's down to how one positions themselves in the market and really shows what their skills are, what their services are and what they enjoy creating. And it does come back to you when you position that in the right way. Also, it's incredible that when we get to do these projects that are our passion projects that are close to our heart, to our values, and then clients find us through those projects, that's when these kinds of 
project work is so much more pleasant is so much more satisfying it just flows naturally so well because we end up working with clients who are just really close to what we believe in and oftentimes these kinds of projects then turn into regular work and regular types of income from that specific client I think that's why it's so important to understand and to use the power of marketing ourselves as part of the pitching process because we often really underappreciate the power of those personal projects creative projects that we can do and it's almost like with um, you know when you go to a supermarket I don't know if they still do that but there used to be people giving out free handouts of food that you can trial and see if you like and if you enjoy and then you're more likely to buy it almost with any kind of other subscription service so like if you want to use Netflix you can well that's probably changed as well now but you were able to <laughs> to subscribe to a trial period, a Spotify or anything else, and then use that just to trial it and see if you're going to enjoy it and then decide whether you want to go forward with that service. And it's the same with marketing ourselves as creatives, as food photographers, when we do projects that are close to our heart and aligned with our style and what we enjoy targeting the types of work that we would like to be doing for our clients and then we put it out there on social media we put it out there on instagram adobe discover on behance on linkedin on all these different social platforms clients who find us that's the trial that they get that's when they get to try out and see what is our style what is our editing style how we work and how we do what we do exactly and i think also touching on the idea of like free samples i think that links nicely into to kind of free work but before i touch on that. I also want to say something about how we also use marketing, as you said, to kind of give people a sample of our work. And it's not just about the images that we upload or share, but it's also the messaging and the captions and maybe other content we can be sharing to show that we have experience and we are the experts as photographers. For example, if you share behind the scenes footage of your shoot, yes, other photographers will find that interesting, but I think also it shows our clients that we know what we're doing. We know how to set up a scene. We know how to manipulate manipulate light we know how to compose an image and also if you're writing in your captions you can be sharing tips or sharing your experiences and what you've learned and and how you come up with the image that you're shooting and so I think the messaging that we put out around the images and the other content we can create to showcase our expertise is also a really useful and important thing to do to give clients an understanding of us as the experts and us as the kind of authority in our in our industry and in our field so just wanted to throw that out there as well yeah very true and you know words have power being in food photography day in day out we tend to overlook these things we tend to forget that because you know all these things like you said behind the scenes the styling the lighting the setup it all seems almost natural after a while and we stop noticing that we know so much and I don't know about you but to me whenever I get to talk to someone who's beginning their journey in food photography and I start talking to them about all these different practicalities and aspects of food photography and start describing everything that's got to do with the setup or with the styling of a scene that's when I start noticing how much I've actually already learned and how much I've come to know over these years and it's so easy to forget about how much we know 
And so that's it's good to give ourselves that credit and also share the fact that we have the knowledge. Definitely. And well, I want to circle back then to the idea of samples of our work and free shoots, because I know that this is also a very big controversial topic in the photography industry with some people really discouraging doing any kind of free work and other people like me, if you follow me, you know that I kind of advocate working for free when the time is right um, and with selective clients. So when it comes to pitching and trying to find new clients, offering a free shoot is something I will do, especially for people and clients who are very aligned with where I want to go with my business in terms of the direction I want to go in or my values, like I've mentioned before, in terms of sustainability. And so if I really want to work with a client and either they just don't have the budget or I really want to get my foot in the door, then I think having some kind of collaboration or offering a small free shoot can work really well to open the doors to that client, to really show them what I'm capable of and how I can help them. And more often than not, I would say probably nine times out of 10 that I've done this in the past, those clients that I've offered a free sample to have ended up turning into really well-paying clients. Like I say, it's not something that I advocate doing forever or, you know, only working for free or doing that for every new client that comes your way. But if you are selective in how you do it and you're really careful with what it is that you actually end up delivering at the end of that free shoot and how you then take that relationship forwards, I think it can be a really, really effective way to start new relationships and build lasting relationships as well. I don't know what your experience has been with that, uh, Marta. Very similar to yours, actually. I remember when I was starting out and I kept on hearing this advice that we should never be giving out our work for free. And then I had a client, a big, quite a big brand here locally in Poland, who responded to my cold pitch. And they said that they don't currently have any space for a paid project. They don't have the budget for it. But if I'm willing to, we can do a, a free photo shoot in exchange for their product. Because I was at the very beginning of our journey, I decided to agree to go forward with that. And I'm very pleased and very thankful that I did because it actually turned into a big client project a few months down the line. And that's what made me realize that it really doesn't always have to mean that a client that comes to you and is an unpaid client at the beginning is always going to remain an unpaying client. It all depends on the kind of brands that you choose to work with. And if you select brands that you can feel in their messaging and how they talk to you that this is the free project is what they are really after. And this is what they will always be after because their messaging, their the way they run their brand and their values don't really align with paid photo shoots because they don't see the value of them, then that's going to always be the case. But if you're working with a brand who you can truly see that is a brand who sees the value of a paid photo shoot, who sees the value of a food photographer or any photographer's work, then it truly might be the case that they currently don't have the space in their budget and they will make the space a few months down the line if they like working with you. And that's why it's so important to have the right motivation behind that free photo shoot as well, because like you said, very on point, if this is a brand who is aligned with what you believe in, and if this is a brand who you truly aspire to and you share the same values, then naturally you will carry out the project in such a way that's going to be very impressive for them and for you because you will just naturally care for what they care for and you will want to make the client happy and in that way it's going to leave that feeling with the brand that they want to work with that kind of person and then when a paid opportunity will come in they will very likely think of you instantly and so this was my experience as well I can relate to that 
I also had experiences where I worked with a brand for free at the beginning and they never came back. But now, a few years down the line, I know that this is because of the kind of brand that I chose. And I agree with what you said. If a an unpaid opportunity comes up with a brand that you really feel close to and you feel aligned with and you can see the value of what they're doing and you know how much that would aid them as a brand, then I don't see why wouldn't you be doing that. But if you can't really see the motivation behind that free project and so you can see that this would be a project that would be frustrating to you and would leave you feeling like you should be delivering that work not for free, then there is no point to take it because it's only going to cause frustration on the set and it's not going to make you feel motivated. To, to create a quality type of work oh definitely yes and I've been in that position before as well where I've kind of either in the past taken on the job and then regretted it and I've resented the work because it actually took up a lot more effort and energy of mine than I expected and also I've been in the position where I've been offered some kind of exchange or or collaboration and when I think about how I would feel doing it for nothing in hindsight I would like looking back at the previous experiences and I know that that's how I'm going to end up feeling and so I've learned when to say no when it serves me when it doesn't um, and I think that's definitely a really important thing to be able to understand in yourself, to know when it's right for you and and not to judge other people, I think, as well. If, if they do decide to take on a project that maybe you've declined, I know that there are brands who may send out multiple emails to many photographers and for some people it serves them and for some people it doesn't. And it kind of frustrates me when I see so much um, negativity, I guess, on social media around you know, like people who do take on those kinds of jobs because maybe they're in a position to do it, um, and it and it works for them. And like I say, I think it's, I don't think it's very fair or it's it's not very nice to be judging people who are taking on that work and I'm not saying ever that either that it's something that we should be doing for our entire career because it, it's not it's not sustainable for you anyway to be doing that but yes as we've made it clear I think it's there are times when this is right for your business and it's okay to take those on but you also need to yeah need to know when when the time is right to leave that behind and to start charging for a client and I think it's also important when you are either taking on work or offering kind of collaborations and free work that you're also positioning that in a way that that indicates that it's a free shoot now, but it's not that you're going to work with them for free forever. And I think that's also been something key that I've learned how to message and how to get across when I'm communicating with new clients, when I'm talking about offering them something for free, a free sample or a couple of images, that it's I'm doing it as like an entry. And if we continue the relationship, then there's an understanding that there will be kind of a payment in exchange for, for what I'm doing for them. And it's how to navigate that from the outset and set the expectations so that you can turn that free work into paid work. Yes, I agree. And I think it's very important to have that clear wording from the outset, because we, like you said, it's not sustainable to continue doing free work all the time. And I think doing a free project in between other paid projects is easier than doing unpaid work continuously, because obviously, like we said in our previous episode as well, as freelancers, we need to continue having that financial fluidity. We can't allow not having cash coming in because we have to have that peace of mind. So I believe in doing unpaid projects when there is a clear rationale behind it. But I don't think that continuing just with unpaid projects only is sustainable. I also think that messaging is very, very important. The right messaging that we send to the brand when we communicate with them at the very beginning. And so if you want to do, for example, restaurant photography, but you're not feeling confident enough to go on and, and do a paid photo shoot for a restaurant, you can approach them and say that you're coming in to do a photo shoot and you were wondering if there is any space for them to cooperate with you on that one project and you're more than happy to offer those photos to them after the photo shoot for use in their social media or marketing collateral just for the purpose 
of promoting their own business, but this is a one-off. And if they then come to you and say the photos were amazing and would love to, you know, have more, then of course, by all means, you're more than happy to do it. And this is my my rate for that kind of project. So I think it's very important to make sure that the messaging is very clear from the very beginning. Definitely. That's exactly how I got into restaurant photography in the beginning. Yeah. It was as a portfolio building exercise and that's how I positioned it to them. I told them very clearly, I'm a food photographer and I really want to expand into restaurant photography and I would love to come and shoot at your restaurant as a portfolio building exercise. And I'm obviously happy to share some of those images with you as a thank you for me coming to shoot some of your dishes for my portfolio. And that's that's how I started. That's how I got the first few photos in my portfolio. And, and from then I was able to, to start charging for my work. And yeah, it was very successful. And I think you can apply that to any kind of niche that you want to go in within food photography if you're wanting to switch to product photography or you want to do recipe videos or something like that. It's um, an easy way, I guess, to, to pitch some kind of free project to a client to build that part of your portfolio. And once you've built it, you start charging. And yeah, I think that's a, a very easy route to entry, I guess. <laughs> and like you said, I really agree with what you said, that there is no reason to, to be negative about this whole possibility of offering sample a free sample of our work because we all have we're all unique we all have our ways of going about our businesses and there is nothing wrong with doing it our own way just because it's not written out somewhere or it's not spelled out as a blueprint for something it doesn't mean it's wrong yeah exactly and I have a question for you how do you manage and track and follow up with all of your client contacts so I guess do you have some kind of spreadsheet or database where you track everyone that you have worked with everyone that you want to work with and how do you manage which ones have responded or when you need to follow up with someone how do you do that in your business oh I love this question I'm such a geek when it comes to this <laughs> <laughs> me too so let's see let's oh, compare amazing <laughs> All right. So what I, I currently have a, um, a Notion board that's dedicated to all of my clients. So I have a client target list in Notion with a massive table in it. And essentially it has the name of the brand or client that I would like to work with. And then client contact detail. So the name, their position within the brand, their email address, where they are based, the brand's website or the client's website, social media, um, different social media channels that they use, my notes about the style of photography that they are currently using, or my notes about anything that's going to be important to me throughout the pitching process. And then mm, the date with when I last followed up uh, with the client or when I was last in contact with them. And then a, a separate space for a date when I need to follow up with them next so when I go into this spreadsheet or this notion board to check when was my last action, I can actually see, you know, the, the last time I reached out to them. And if there is anything that needs to be done on my end, do I need to follow up with them? Any notes that I also have, I always put in there. I, I actually have a separate um, column miscellaneous where I have all these different notes that I, I always put in. And it makes it so that everything is in one place and I can then easily track it and I know that I took action on this. I've started also using this, it's a Chrome plugin for finding email addresses. I'll definitely leave it in the in the podcast description, but essentially it really helps me to, to find email addresses from the people that I actually need to reach out to. And then everything is in one place. I can easily manage it. I can easily see the last and the next point of action 
and I can I feel like I'm on top of it when I when I need to next pitch I have everything in one place and I make sure that I actually update it because I used to have this excel spreadsheet that I was never updating because it was hidden somewhere in my drive in Google and I could never find it and when I have it in Notion it's easily accessible and so it's easier for me to actually update on a regular basis and how about you? Nice yeah mine sounds very similar to yours at the moment I'm still using Google Sheets I use Google Drive a lot so I have it in Sheets at the moment and yeah I think I have very very similar columns to yours by the sound of it the only one that I think is extra that I didn't hear you say is I have like a column that's like the status of like how where that where I am with them and it's (laughs) color-coded so it's a drop down um so I can't remember the off the top of my head I think it's something like there's one that says in research so it means I haven't reached out to them yet and I'm researching the brand but I intend to reach out to them then I have one that's maybe like yellow that says I'm in conversation with them so obviously I'm I've sent them an an email or a dm and we're kind of chatting and negotiating I've got one that's then a proposal booked I think that's like in purple on the way to to something happening and then project booked is in green project completed is in blue and then red is like rejected or they've kind of said no at the moment so for me that gives me like a really nice almost like a traffic like extended traffic lighting system so when I go into the spreadsheet I can see really easily like like where people are at in that status there should be more technically in the research stage because I should always have plenty of people I want to reach out to but there should also be a decent number of people at each of those stages so I'm in conversation with some I've sent proposals to a few I've been following up with some and you know sending out proposals and getting projects booked in so I think that's the only extra column that I would say that I have in addition to yours unless you have yours in a there but in a different format um, but I just find that a really helpful way to open it up and, and see where I'm at um, and definitely the last contact and date of next follow up are really important as well so if I'm checking that weekly or fortnightly then I can find it really easy to pick up who it is that I need to send out those emails to if I've only got half an hour or 20 minutes then I can sort that by who needs to be followed up with first and it's just really easy to take some action when I only have a short amount of time so yeah that's kind of my spreadsheet <laughs> amazing it's it's so cool isn't it I found the name of the of the plugin so it's apollo.io essentially that's a, a chrome plugin that is linked with LinkedIn when you research contacts on LinkedIn LinkedIn, the plugin reads all the data from LinkedIn and allows you to see the actual email address directly to a contact who sits with a brand. It's Mm -hmm. really, really useful. I've used it a couple of times because I used to reverse engineer email addresses with, you know, all these different ways. And using Mm. that plugin actually gives me the actual email address directly to that person. And every single time I've used it, it always delivers 100%. Out of all these email addresses that I've sent to, every single time they get delivered. Amazing. Yeah. It, it's it's really really useful as well can I ask on LinkedIn then do you have the paid version or do you have the free version of LinkedIn for that to work I use the free version I don't use the premium okay, version cool. of LinkedIn the plugin is also a free version as well for the time being I don't know if it's going to change mm-hmm. in the future <laughs> but for now it's it's still in the free version I'm gonna try that for sure I don't I've, I think I've heard of this one this in the website called like hunter.io as well is another yeah. popular one for looking up email addresses um, I don't think I've used Apollo yet so I'm going to try that for the new year and see how that works yeah. out for me in January amazing definitely give it a go <laughs> yes but the the only thing with Apollo as opposed to Hunter because Hunter.io is a website whether whereas Apollo is a, an actual plugin so it's an, a Chrome extension mm. you can't use it with any other mm-hmm. browser and you have to have have it installed as a as an extension otherwise it's not going to work thinking about when you're reaching out to clients how many times do you on average follow up before you kind of stop if you don't get any responses from someone because I know this is a question that I've had people ask me in the past 
past on social media. So I think this is probably something that people are curious about. And I've I've seen some statistics as well that not just photographers, but salespeople on the whole, many people just don't follow up when they are trying to message people and get in touch with new clients. I know that we don't like to think of ourselves as salespeople, but we are in our business. And yeah, sometimes not following up can be our downfall. How many follow-ups do you tend to do for a new client if they're not responding before you either give up or maybe wait another few months before reaching out again? Usually do four follow-ups. After four follow-ups, I then give myself a few months and then come back to, to reaching out to them again. But I don't ever give up before I followed up four times. And so there's the initial email and then four additional emails. I've had so many instances where someone responded to me after my second or third email. And every single time someone gets back to me after my third email, I'm like, aha, uh-huh, see, I knew I should have followed up so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Amazing. Good. Yeah. So I... At the beginning, I felt so intimidated by the very fact that I need to be following up. I felt so awkward with sending all these emails and I felt like I'm taking up so much of their time. But then I reframed it in my mind to think that essentially I'm not bothering them. I'm trying to give them the opportunity to work with me and I'm actually showing them that mm-hmm. I'm here and I'm, I know how busy they are as marketers and how busy brands can be or restaurants can be so I completely understand that they are not always checking their emails in fact I remember when I worked in the corporate industry and how busy my inbox was it took me so much time to get through all of my emails and sometimes the emails that weren't on top of my list that weren't my priority they obviously did not get as much attention as they could have because you're really busy and then also I think or I feel that sometimes when you send a follow-up email and the sub email subject is either I usually send it as a responded to the thread not a follow-up I feel like sometimes that gives that person a feeling like they've already discussed the subject with someone and so they've maybe have missed another email or they have you know there is this is a communication in regards to something that has already been ongoing so initial email usually is not successful but the follow-ups they usually are and how about you I probably I don't have a as concrete a number as you but yes I definitely am happy to go up to four or five as well I think I feel like I should do more because I have seen all these statistics as well around you know people don't buy from you until they've had an average of 12 touch points with the seller so that can obviously be like a touch point can also include some kind of engagement on it on social media or like a phone call or something it doesn't have to always be an email or or something but so if you think about how many touch points that is if you're engaging if you're sending dms and then you're sending emails 12 is quite a lot yeah i think i'm i'm also not not worried about sending too many i do start spreading them out like leaving more time the longer it goes on so maybe in the first couple of follow ups i'm leaving a matter of days in between to kind of keep that urgency and then after 3 or 4 it might be a week or, or 14 days later just as a kind of friend you know we still want to chat with you if you have a moment um, I know that you're busy acknowledging the fact that maybe they have a lot going on and that can sometimes not warm someone up to you but it enables them to to really know that you know where they're coming from and what position they might be in so yeah I'm probably similar to you that I, I also I'm not afraid to follow up multiple times and I think it can take some getting used to to have that approach and people don't want to feel like they're bothering people or they think it's it's a nuisance to be following up all the time and you're just bugging people but like you say you're trying to help someone you've no that there's something you can help them with in their business and you genuinely want to serve them in some way. So once you have that kind of mindset, I think it makes it easier to do the follow-ups. 
And also to emotionally detach from them a little bit as well, because I think we often fear the rejection. And so that's why maybe we don't follow up because we're worried about not getting a response again and again and again. And it's just our own ego that gets a bit dented by not having that response. And I think when it comes to pitching, we also need to form some kind of resilience and persevere with it because we shouldn't take it personally if people don't respond. As you said, they're busy or they've probably also got a million and one things on their plate. Maybe they have a photographer already and it's just, they just, it's easier for them not to respond than to say, sorry, we have photographer which is frustrating but I think we need to build like some kind of mental resilience or like emotionally disconnect from the pitching process to be able to continue to do pitching in a way that is going to get us results in the long term yeah I also don't think cold pitching as we've said near the beginning of the podcast is not necessarily the most effective way to consistently get new clients but it is something I think that we all need to be doing I know photographers who have been in this industry far longer than I have who still do cold pitching so it is just part of the business um, and you just need to find a way to manage it emotionally mentally for yourself to be able to keep doing it sustainably definitely pitching is not something that you can avoid when you run your own business it definitely comes down to for one understanding that it's part of your business there's no way to get rid of it it's something that you have to do irrespective of how you feel about it so naturally the second thing that you can do is reframe how you feel about it because if you want to be in photography long term unfortunately there has to be space in your business for pitching this cannot be changed it's just something that has to be done so reframing how you feel about pitching like you said disconnecting yourself from how you feel about it it's a game changer truly it's not as personal as we feel because that was at the very beginning this is the most difficult part of it the moment when someone comes to you and says they don't say we don't have a budget they don't say we're we're not looking for a photographer right now they say thank you we're not interested that's the worst moment it's just important to understand that this is how it is there is no other way to go about it there was this quote in the office uh, one of the characters said that working in sales is like living in the world of rejection and it's so true <laughs> and I think about it yes. every single time I get really upset or fed up with pitch it's just I live in the world of rejection when I pitch and that's just a natural part of it and it's just there's nothing I can do to change it I can just understand and come to terms with the fact that I have to stick with it if I want to find new clients in a traditional way pitching is the only way to go and I agree pitching cold pitching is not the most effective way always but by doing all these things like making sure that you pitch to the right brands that are aligned with your values that you make the actual pitch email much more personal, that you don't make it just almost like a draft one size fits all, then you're in a way increasing your chances to get a response. Definitely, yeah. And just I guess one of the last points that I wanted to bring up was also about related to this pitching and the feeling of rejection and the emotional disconnection we need to feel. It's also, it's okay to take a break from pitching. I know that there have been months in my business where I haven't pitched yeah. at all, but I've still been successful in my business because I'm focusing on other parts. I've, as we talked in the first episode about diversifying income streams, now I'm at a stage where I have multiple income streams in my business. And so sometimes I'm dedicating much more time to my coaching, for example, and I just don't have the headspace to be pitching. Luckily now, I have a couple of regular clients in restaurants and product photography, so they keep me going. But it's okay to have that kind of moment where you think, oh, I just want to stop pitching mm -hmm. for a bit. Yeah, it's fine to feel that and to accept it. I think you need to also acknowledge that it's happening so that you can pull yourself out of that and get back into pitching. It's a bit like going to the gym. When you stop going to the gym, <laughs> it's really hard to go that first time. And mm -hmm. it's the same with pitching. Once you've stopped, it is really hard to get back into it. But you do need to kind of make yourself get back into that spreadsheet, get back into the rhythm, book out some time 
time in your schedule to do it weekly and it'll be much easier to get back into the flow and, and start that up again. Yeah, I think the most difficult moments and parts of this whole pitching process are the very first months or almost like the very first year up to two years of running your own food photography business because that's when you don't really have regular clients just yet because you're, you've just started out and so you don't have the, the contacts, you're not as present in the industry as others and then you have to be doing this in order to get your business on its feet and it's when you get the highest number of rejections because you just don't have that client portfolio just yet and there's no side activity that you could dedicate yourself to like we both said in in the diversifying of our income streams episode we have so many different sources of income that we do on a regular basis and so when we don't feel like pitching or we feel fed up with the process of pitching we can just give ourselves some free time from it and focus on other income streams and cultivate them and develop them and, and put our energy energy there. And then when we're ready, we can bring ourselves back to pitching to new clients. But when you're new and when you're just starting out, it's so frustrating. And I remember that there were weeks, months that were going on without any response from all these different people that I would be sending my emails to. And I remember that there were months when I was convinced, 100% convinced that I'm going to go back to being a corporate employee because there's no money coming into my business and I've been doing so much and I put so much energy and so much effort into it and I'm doing so many things and it's not working and you just need to I know it's difficult but you just need to really give yourself time and when you feel like it's getting out of control and it's overwhelming and it's just too much very counterintuitively the best thing to do is to step away for a, a few days and just give yourself some time and give yourself some break and give yourself some breathing and thinking space and talk to other people who are also in this business because that's something that was a game changer for me reaching out to different people who are also creatives and who are also in this business because we all go through the same thing and then you suddenly find out that you're not the only person who's struggling with this and talking to someone who's going through the same thing is going to make it so much easier and it's going to really make it easier to remain in this business and it's going to help you push through those difficult moments. And I think also it circles back quite nicely to one of our first points on today's episode about using our creative projects and our work to pitch to people. And also in those moments that you feel like you don't want to be sending out all those emails, that is also a really good time to focus on creating. The more we create and put out into the world and market ourselves, the more chances you're giving yourself and opportunities you're giving yourself to be seen and to work with people. I also try to remember to come back to that as well. I go through moments much like I don't go through pitching months I also go through months where I don't create anything I have to remind myself to take a step back sometimes and create for myself because the more I create the more I get better at what I do the more chances I'm able to find new clients and to do projects not just with clients but with people like you <laughs> and this podcast <laughs> to do something great and to do something amazing so yeah it's important to recognize those slumps and channel your energy into a different way of making the most of your business in that moment how can you move forwards in some way yes exactly businesses come in seasons and this is no different there is going to be a season for creating there's going to be a season for selling there's going to be a season for growing there's going to be a season for again creating and not being present elsewhere because we are one person businesses oftentimes and so we have all this energy that we need to dedicate to something and sometimes it's difficult to split it between different things so it's completely okay to acknowledge and understand that this is how it is and to really give ourselves the space to do it. 
Great. I think that covers most of the thoughts that I had. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to, to say on this topic before we finish off, Marta? I really like what we've covered here. I think we've covered so many different things that I was also thinking about. I really like the idea that it doesn't always come down to active cold pitching because there are other ways. It's just important to be mindful of your needs and finding your ways of dealing with it. That's the most important thing. And truly, I think for me personally, the most game-changing moment came when I realized that I don't have to always just be producing content for clients, that I can produce content to almost inactively market myself, if I can say inactively, because it's not necessarily inactive because you still have to do something, but it's inactive in a way that you don't have to send those emails and you don't have to be pitching with all these ideas. So you can just take all of this into your own hands and create what you feel like doing and that allows you to then grow your business in a different way and that gives you that feeling of being able to take the faith into your hands I know it sounds very cliche but that's just how it is no it's true (laughs) I hope that we were able to shed a bit of a new light on this topic or help you realize and notice that it's not always as Everyone on social media seems to be saying that we always just cold pitch and we have all these amazing success rates because it's not the reality. It's just different. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's not like that, but it's also not awful at the same time. There is there are things we can do to to make it a more enjoyable process and a more successful process. So, yeah, it's just hopefully it's given some people some some new ideas and thoughts on the topic, as you say. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you want to follow us, you can find our information on our Instagram handles and bios in the description of the podcast along with any of the other resources and tools that we have mentioned in today's episode they will all be in the description don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to not miss out on any of our future episodes and we are very much looking forward to speaking with you in the next one